Hey everybody, welcome to the Blister Podcast on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today on the show, we've got actually two other podcast hosts and two other editors at Blister. I am joined today by David Golay, who is our bike editor and the host of our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast, and Matt Mitchell, who is our running editor and host of our running podcast. Well, kind of our running podcast. We actually talk about that here, but that podcast is called Off the Couch. And we realized that we had never had Matt or David on this Blister podcast. And so we figured that while they were here in Crested Butte, this would be a really good time for me to sit down with the two of them and let you learn more about both of their backgrounds and to talk a bit about what they've been up to on Bikes and Big Ideas and on our Off the Couch podcast. As you'll hear me say in this conversation, I am extremely proud of the conversations that David and Matt are both having on those other platforms. And so if you aren't already regular listeners of those shows, I think hearing what David and Matt have been up to, and we talk a bit about some of their favorite recent conversations on those platforms, well, I think you'll start to understand why I would hope you would be checking those shows out regardless of whether you consider yourself a runner or a mountain biker. And again, we kind of get into that, how those podcasts tend to just overflow the boundaries or definitions of sort of merely being conversations about running or mountain biking in ways that, well, I at least think are really interesting. And so with that, let's go ahead and get to my conversation with David Golay and Matt Mitchell. Here we go. Well, I am here in Blister headquarters with our bike editor, David Golay, and our running editor, Matt Mitchell. Good to have you guys both here. Yeah, good to be back in Crested Butte and in HQ. It's been a bit... Uh, been awesome hanging out with the whole crew and just glad to have gotten to catch up with everybody. Yeah. And this is Matt's first time, first time in Crested Butte. Yep. First time kind of hanging out with a bunch of the team. Yeah. So good having you out here too. Yeah. It's been really, really cool to be out here and interact with the team as well as explore Crested Butte in the Valley. Uh, I'm pretty blown away by what you guys have like right out your back door here. And we guess we should say Matt is in San Francisco. Yep. And whereabouts in San Francisco? There's outskirts of San Francisco. There's downtown. Where Where exactly are you? Yeah. So I'm I'm firmly in the city. Uh, I live out in the outer Sunset District, so a couple blocks from the beach. Um, and I grew up a few blocks away from that. So yeah, I'm one of the holdouts. Well, and one of the things that I was really excited about was for both of you. This was your first time like physically checking out Blister Labs down at Western. And we had a really cool meeting yesterday. We had a lot of people on our squad and kind of got to meet with all of the faculty members that are currently involved uh, with Blister Labs and some of the students and grad students that are 
already now hard at work on specific projects. And that was just a really cool thing to kind of just bring everybody together. And, you know, they got to meet Matt and David, you'd met, I guess, just virtually. Yeah, I've been talking with Greg and Sean quite a bit yeah. virtually, but this is the first time meeting them in person. And it was awesome getting to catch up with them and just see some of the physical stuff that's yeah. actually in work right there because things are happening. Yeah. Uh, stuff's getting built. Stuff's getting tested. We're really moving forward on this pretty quick here. Yeah. And we did just post this past Friday a Gear 30 Blister Labs conversation that I had with Sean Humbert. So if people haven't checked that out or are wondering what we're talking about here with Blister Labs, give a listen to that. We also have some stuff up on our website if you want to get the like full backstory. But um, yeah, pretty impressive stuff happening right now. And I was really excited too, Matt, to have you there, uh, as I said yesterday, because a lot of what we've been doing initially has to do with sort of fabrics and textile testing and different tests for ski equipment and the mountain bike stuff. But having you there, getting to talk with some of the engineers about some of the things that we want to do on the running side of things, I think that was a good, good first opportunity to kind of have to connect all of you. Yeah, I think we have a chance to really do some uh, first of its kind testing as it relates to running shoes and trail running shoes, I think a lot of the testing in the running world is focused on biomechanics and not so much centered on equipment. And I think, yeah, exploring the potential of different foam composites and energy return in midsoles will be pretty revolutionary, I think, for, um, for a lot of folks in the running industry. Let's talk a little bit more about your own backgrounds. Yeah. First time for both of you being on the blister podcast, David has made a couple cameos on gear 30, but, uh, we never have let you on this one. So yeah, brand new experience here. Very exciting to <laughs> making my debut on blister podcast. Uh, like Jonathan said, have been on gear 30 a handful of times and have been on bikes and big ideas, hosting that a lot. Yep. So Plenty of time on the Blister Podcast Network, but this is a new one. This is a new one. So let's just let people know a little bit. Where'd you grow up? When'd you start riding? That type of stuff. Yeah. Grew up in Ithaca, New York and started mountain biking there when I was 10 or 11, something like that. And then stayed in Ithaca through high school, was mountain biking and skiing and playing hockey, mostly kind of the three main sports for me through that point. Went to college in Southern California at Harvey Mudd College, studied mechanical engineering there, and worked as a mechanical engineer for close to a decade before bailing on that and make jumping ship over to Blister here. So, And I've been at Blister for about three years now. Yeah. And this is kind of the fun part because when you left that engineering job to come on at Blister, Blister Labs was still an idea I had, but like this was not like hey, yeah, this is a perfect fit. Like come in over here because we're about to ramp up this thing. So this is really funny. You thought you were escaping sort of maybe the engineering world and like you're sort of right back into that fire now. Yeah, kind of everything came full circle on that, I guess. <laughs> and it was cool being down in Blister Labs yesterday and just seeing the machine shop and all the facilities that they have down there and getting a little reminder of what engineering school was like, throwing back to that oh, so long ago now. And it was cool. <laughs> Matt, your background. So 
San Francisco, born and raised? Yep. Okay. Yep, 100%. 100%. Talk a little bit more about your own background on the running side of things and then school stuff too. Yeah, totally. So as I mentioned, born and raised in San Francisco, and I was pretty active as a kid, um, played a bunch of sports, played pretty competitive rugby in high school actually, and had always been really dedicated to spending time in the outdoors. My dad actually got me into lightweight backpacking at a pretty pretty early age. I think I was like eight years old when he decided to take me on a pretty aggressive trip that I think was a bit above both of our uh, skill levels. So always had an obsession with the outdoors and that informed where I went to college. I uh, spent four years up in Walla Walla at Whitman College studying English and was heavily involved in their outdoor program and continued my love of, yeah, uh, ultralight backpacking with friends up there and didn't really get into running per se until my senior year in college when I realized that getting these outdoor permits, overnight permits for these uh, wilderness areas was kind of involved and uh, you know, cost money often. And I was looking at some of the routes I wanted to do and just figured that it'd be easier if I just ran the entire thing. So <laughs> from there I was kind of hooked and yeah, just making it easier. Right. Yeah. Yeah. As David and I are looking at each other, like things that don't occur to us. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. Was, I really got into running as a matter of convenience. Gotcha. I like that. <laughs> Me like, too. That's pretty good. Yeah. Doing very hard things as a matter of convenience. Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't know that part of your, mm-hmm. your story. Yeah. And then after I graduated college with an English degree, I went back to San Francisco and immediately regretted majoring in English because I had like really nothing to do with that. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I bounced around a few uh, quote unquote startups for a bit trying to find my way and eventually got linked up with um, San Francisco Running Company. And I guess I should rewind a little bit. Um, After spending a handful of years working job to job, I decided to hike the Pacific Crest Trail in 2018. Uh, My lease was up in in San Francisco and I was like, well, I probably won't get another shot to do this until I'm retired. So I did that and that really cemented my love of like sustained endurance events and like proved to myself that I could, I could really push my body further than I thought. So came back to San Francisco, started trail running uh, more avidly and yeah, got linked up with San Francisco running company where I spent two years and really cemented myself in the Bay area trail running scene. And um, yeah, now uh, I, uh, I had kind of a, an interesting introduction to blister that maybe we can get into. Um, but I have been writing and podcasting for Blister since I think December. Mm-hmm. So I'm still still slightly a newbie, but I'm really enjoying it this mm-hmm. far. Yeah. And backing up just a second, I mean, it was kind of interesting to me learning more about the San Francisco running company, right? In fact, we were talking, I think yesterday about this, that that shop's identity really is as a trail shop. And I wasn't as keyed in on that as I guess I should have been, but I I thought that was interesting too. Yeah. San Francisco Running Company is a a pretty cool story behind it. It was founded by 
Brett Rivers and Jorge Maravilla, who back in 2012 just decided that the Bay Area needed like a community hub for trail running in particular. And Jorge was at that time a professional athlete and Brett could have been easily uh, very talented runners. And so it was very much like a designed to be, yeah, as I said, like a linchpin for the community. Um, and since then, I think it's become one of the most respected run specialty stores in the world, really. Um, and yeah, a great place to work. Mm -hmm. And I think you just learn so much by the caliber of like talent that walk in those doors. Um, and again, it's meant to service the community instead of, you know, just sling shoes. Mm -hmm. It has been really interesting having so many of our team together the last several days. I really like how many of our people have shop backgrounds, you know, like that matters a lot to me. And especially as a outdoor media company, I've seen other outdoor media companies where it's like, they just, it's too disconnected from like the actual kind of foundations sort of, or verticals of these sports, right? Again, especially in some of our conversations yesterday, like that is just very much not true of our team. And I think there's something very grounding and there is really a perspective when it comes to customer service, right? And like what kind of questions and, you know, what kind of information are people looking for? We don't really have to guess about that. Like we've had people, it's been like for, you know, many, many years of experience doing exactly that. And I think that does really inform a lot of what we've been doing at Blister and what we are like talking about doing and sort of some stuff we're about to launch. Yeah, for sure. And I worked in a bike shop for five or six years in high school and college. And like you just said, Jonathan, I think that really helped kind of just give me a better perspective on the full breadth of people who are riding bikes and better understand how wide the range of different needs and kind of d different ways that people ride bikes and make it a lot easier to better put products in context as I'm reviewing them and think about who they might be for and have a better understanding of just the full scope of people riding bikes out in the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess we should since you mentioned it, Matt, you said that there was kind of an interesting story about, you know, how we got introduced. Um, it is interesting. And I, should I let you start on this? I'll probably chime in, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so in the Bay Area, as I said, there's a pretty uh, closely knit trail running scene. And one of my closest friends, Olivia Amber, who runs for the North Face, uh, was a guest on Off the Couch. So off air, Olivia had mentioned that you guys uh, had wanted to put a running editor in place. And she told me about that conversation. My ears immediately lit up because I think, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love to run, but I also love to write. And I think the writing component of my professional life was missing in my previous job. And uh, I was really familiar with what Blister was doing on the ski and bike side. And I thought that at the time there wasn't really an outlet that gave trail running shoes and running shoes in, in general, that kind of like rigorous level of analysis in their reviews. And I thought that like 
that would be really cool to help pioneer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have the story pretty correct. I didn't know Olivia prior to that conversation. You talk to her for 10 minutes and you're like, my God, I'm talking to a very smart person. So we had a cool conversation. Maybe we'll put a link to that conversation in the show notes and people can go here. But like there was no intention coming in, you know, where I wasn't like doing something where I was like asking all of our guests on off the couch. Like, do you know somebody who might be good, you know, uh, as a running editor? But we wrapped our conversation and we just started talking afterward. And again, she's so smart and curious. She's just asking me more questions about Blister. And, you know, and uh, I think I just mentioned like, yeah, like we are really looking to like ramp up what we're doing on the running side. As you said, Matt, like to be a bit more analogous to what we've got going on ski and on mountain bike. And she just was like, I have your editor. There wasn't like, I think I know someone. She was like, I have your editor. I was like, wow, okay. And I kind of get that a lot. I sort of hear that a lot. Everybody's got a cousin, you know, or a friend, you know. So I'm, I'm used to hearing this and I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know. But she's like, no, I'm dead serious. Like, I have it. Your search is over. And I was like, she's... So anyway, it turns out she was not wrong. Um, but yeah, she put us in touch and um, here we are today. So um, let me take this public opportunity to say, Olivia, thank you. It's, it's working out real well. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll put that one in the notes. But yeah, I mean, this is kind of one of the things we wanted to do is to have, I mean, one, you two are both out here from Seattle and San Francisco, respectively. We did want to just talk a little bit about these other podcasts. We do Bikes and Big Ideas that David hosts now and Off the Couch uh, that Matt now hosts. And I have to confess I feel it is a little bit like I like I've sent my babies off to boarding school or something like I, I you guys are both doing such a great job, but I will be listening to these conversations and I get like jealous, you know, that like I'm I've sort of cut myself out, I guess, because I really loved the conversations that were taking place on those platforms and it might even be more true of some of the off-the-couch conversations. I don't know why this was the case, but on some of those off-the-couch conversations, or maybe even more frequently than was happening with our Bikes and Big Ideas conversations, I just would be like, I want the whole Blister audience listening to this. And, you know, I, I get it. A lot of people might be like, look, and I, I don't, I'm not a runner. So I don't listen to off the couch, a running podcast, right? I get that. And yet so many of the conversations just kind of go universally applicable. I, and I actually don't think that that's like, I've listened to a number of podcasts in a number of different spaces. I don't actually think that I find that that's always true. So I still don't know why I think that's the case, but I think it's often the case. And that made it even harder to like kind of, hand the reins over, even if, even if Matt knows way more about running than I do, uh, and all the rest. Yeah. It's still, thank you for this therapy session for me to <laughs> have this opportunity to express, uh, yeah. Some of my, uh, what lament sadness. Yeah. You can come back on off the couch anytime. Jonathan. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And well, we're actually about to record a bikes and big ideas after this. So we'll we get you on there 
we again are shortly. Th- this this makes me happy when I can come back and make guest appearances. But I think what I want to do now is just hear from the two of you. Maybe we'll just kind of take turns, but having you talk a little bit about some of your favorite recent conversations, maybe the ones you've just found to be particularly interesting. So David, bikes and big ideas, what do you got? Yeah. So I think to piggyback on what you, some of what you just said about the applicability of these podcasts to a wider audience than just bike dorks. I mean, bikes and big ideas kind of covers a very broad spectrum of stuff in that area. And so we definitely do have some episodes that are pretty bike tech heavy, but a whole lot of them are with athletes or other people in a variety of outdoor spaces who aren't necessarily going to just be talking bike stuff the whole time. And uh, one of the recent ones that I had that I really enjoyed was with Jess Blewett, who's a professional downhill racer and free rider who is just has had this unbelievably meteoric rise through the bike world. She's only 19 years old. She <laughs> first rode a mountain bike in 2018. That's amazing. And then last year, 2021, she was at Red Bull Formation. She finished eighth at downhill world championships. She won the New Zealand national downhill championships. And she had some really interesting stuff to say about how, you know, she only started mountain biking a few years ago, but had been a very high level ski racer prior to that and had some super interesting thoughts on how her time as a ski racer had better prepared her to just dive right into a mountain bike and start going really fast and really huge on one unbelievably quickly. And so it wasn't so much about the mountain biking specifically, but just sort of a lot of the, Things like learning to read terrain and read a line, which was applicable to both mountain biking and skiing and just being comfortable in the air and going fast and all of that kind of stuff that even though the skills are pretty different in a lot of ways, there was some really strong carryover that put her in good stead to just make the unbelievably quick progress that she has as a mountain biker. Yeah, the psychology, the mental state, the willingness to commit And not just like a willingness to commit, but to sort of know how and when to do that. Yeah. Like those are things that it are sort of hearing you say it out loud are like obviously relevant and applicable. Yeah. Yeah. She spoke super well about that. And then we also got some good stuff. She unfortunately had a unbelievably brutal crash in the last downhill world cup race last season at snowshoe broke her femur multiple vertebrae, collarbone. I forget the whole list. It was gnarly. Everything. Everything. Yeah. And probably easier just to list off the bones that she didn't break in that one. And then somehow, unbelievably, she was back on the bike and won New Zealand National Downhill Championships again five months later. And I still don't really understand how, even though she spoke well about kind of the rehab progress and how she just put it all together. But Somehow she did. It was pretty cool. Wow. Matt, off the couch, favorite recent conversation? Yeah, I I think uh, before I get into the conversation, uh, I think off the couch, like Bikes and Big Ideas, covers a wide breadth of things and is a show that is less concerned with like perhaps the minutia of running and like training advice, although like some of that does come up as it covers more of the human experience as it relates to running and uh 
I try and 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 suss out uh, and explore some of the uh, coolest stories around the sport and the personalities uh, behind the people um, living those stories. So one of the more interesting conversations I've had of late was with Pablo Vigil, mm-hmm. um, who at one point was considered the greatest mountain runner in the world, yet almost no one has heard of him. Hmm. Um, he just turned 70 years old, so I had him on right after his birthday, hmm. and we talked about a whole slew of things, uh, especially as they relate to the history of trail running in the U.S. and abroad. I think trail running and to an extent road running has really picked up over the last five or six years and there's um, a bunch of new faces in the sport and I think to some extent people don't acknowledge that people have been running up mountains and down mountains for you know 50 60 years so we got into the history of of the sport and he talked to me about what running was like when trail running shoes didn't exist so he was running in in bowling shoes up these huge mountain passes what What? in the hell yeah and eating like raisins because you know uh engineer nutrition products didn't exist and um yeah it was wild it was really really if you told me you can go mountain running in bowling shoes or just barefoot i might just take barefoot it seems like it's, I can't. Seems like the most wrong shoe. Possible, it seems like the about. most wrong shoe. Yeah, I think there were like the concept was that they were pretty flat and also like relatively cheap. He was uh, the original zero drop. Yeah, he might have been. He might have been <laughs> flat and cheap, but like not flexible at all and absolutely no traction. Also, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. What was really interesting was that his times at Sierra's and all four consecutive times, which no other American has done since. His times are still competitive today, huh. like uh, the likes of Killian Jornet and some of the other athletes at the top of the sport are only like three or four minutes of, ahead of, of what he ran in, in the 70s. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That was cool. And, and that was the first podcast conversation yeah. he'd ever done, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, at points I was a little bit worried about, uh, <laughs> yeah, the the technical logistics of getting the file from him, but yeah, it it, it worked out. Uh, it worked out well, and I I'm, I'm really happy it did because I think it's a, a really important conversation, and mm-hmm. um, that's kind of the talks that get me the most inspired, and uh, the ones that I really try and, and identify. Uh, for off the couch. Hmm. Okay, so we just talked about a 19-year-old Kiwi, and then we have a 70-year-old kind of a father of modern trail running um, that you know we'd never heard from before, right? In that in that yep. kind of format. Okay, that shows some range. Nice job, you two, David. Back to you. Yeah, another recent one that I thought was really good was I spoke with Evan Turpin, who's the founder of Contra Bikes. He's a former pro racer who had retired from racing, was working in a bike shop, wasn't really thrilled with where he was at professionally and was kind of trying to figure out what was next. And I guess I won't spoil his aha moment that made him decide to take this leap into starting a bike company, but it's good. Listen to the episode to get that. Um And the thing that's really cool about it is that he's building this really technically 
interesting and kind of unique steel high pivot enduro bike. And he's doing it himself. It's not like he's designed a thing and then reached out to a factory overseas or something to do it. He himself is doing the bulk of the fabrication and then has someone helping him out with the welding. But he was a professional racer. He doesn't have any background in engineering or fabrication particularly. And so my favorite part of that conversation was just him talking about the learning process that he had to go through all largely self-taught to not only learn how to design a frame, but how to machine stuff and how to do all of the little bits of fabrication required to put one together. And the thing that I kept coming back to in that was like, you know, I have this background in mechanical engineering. I'm an okay machinist. I can weld a little bit, though not well. And I've over the years toyed with the idea of designing mm-hmm. and building my own frame many times and have lots of kind of half-baked designs that I've started in on. But it sort of felt like I know enough to know how much I don't know and how hard it would be for me to get the other pieces in place mm-hmm. to put something together. And Evan just sort of dove into it with very little experience in prior knowledge and has made it work. And it was a, super impressive on his part. And he just spoke extremely well about going through that process of learning everything he had to. Well, very cool. Check out that episode. We'll put a link to that one uh, in the show notes of this episode, Contra Bikes. Matt, your turn. Yeah. So another conversation I had actually this past week was with ultra endurance athlete, Robbie Ballinger, who has a really cool entrance into running that is anything but traditional. He didn't start running until he was 30. He was working in the Austin food scene and was partying pretty hard and facing quite a bit of burnout and was introduced by his girlfriend into, I guess, the running scene, which started off as just like a two-mile run. And since then, he's completely upended his life and moved to Colorado and has subsequently run across America, completed all these kinds of pretty insane challenges and like insane even in the context of ultra running um, that he created himself. So this past summer, he came up with this idea called the Colorado Crush, which involved running all three of the Leadville race series distances. So the marathon, the 50 miler and the hundred miler, and then running the entire Colorado trail as well as summiting every 14er in Colorado. And he did all of that within I think 63 days. So I talked to him about his most recent endeavor, which involved outrunning a Tesla model three across the desert of Texas they essentially charged up a Tesla battery uh, as high as it could go and sent it down a highway until it expired. And at that point, Robbie started running and he gave himself three days to outrun that distance, which ended up being, I believe, around 270 miles. <laughs> yeah. Con- did he do it in bowling shoes? No, he okay. did not. Okay. He did not. Uh, yeah. Modern footwear definitely uh, came, to his, came to his aid on huh. that one. But the conversation was really cool because I think people run oftentimes to learn more about themselves and running has this weird way of like Mm -hmm. taking you to this raw place where it's just you and your brain. Mm -hmm. And 
I'm of the belief that most people go throughout their life, like not really fully knowing themselves. And so listening to Robbie, how he essentially made this huge life transition and what he's accomplished since and, and the kind of person he's become because of running, I think applies to anyone. It doesn't matter what sport you're involved in. I think there's a lot of lessons in that. Yeah. I have to say as a generalization, so which is to say there are exceptions, right? But as a generalization and having talked, you know, and hosted podcasts with runners and mountain bikers and skiers and climbers, et cetera, I definitely would say that runners tend to be the most sort of reflective lot. And I think that makes perfect sense. Like if you're mountain biking hard, you need to be like focused and make sure you're not about to hit that tree at 30 miles an hour. And running just tends to lend itself to you can do the thing and it's going to be for a long time, but there just isn't that same. Like I wouldn't imagine that Formula One racers are among the most reflective because they need to like not flip the rig off the track into the stands, you know? So I don't know, again, maybe that's sort of obvious, but it's just definitely something like on off the couch conversations, we just tend to talk a lot more about like writing and reading and it just, they are particularly introspective conversations. Right. And I think that's largely because running is something that, you are born with like you kind of know how to run mm -hmm. like toddlers run right there's not a lot of at least mm. at certain across certain distances there's not a lot of like finesse and skill involved yeah. so it more becomes a matter of mental endurance as opposed to physical and kind of like robbie used the term essentially like blackmailing yourself mm. by like tricking your body it th from your brain to like outperform what you think you're capable of. Um, yeah. So I think in that sense, you're right in saying that it, it tends to be a little bit more reflective um, and like philosophical than maybe some other sports where you need to be really dialed in because the consequences of, yeah, like ripping off your bike are pretty high. Mm -hmm. All right. I think we're going to give you the last word here, David. Um, you want to mention one more yeah, recent the last, episode. Last episode I want to highlight was the one I had with the CEO of Kitspo, David Bilstrom. And Kitspo's a bike apparel company, but it was a conversation where we actually barely talked about bikes at all, really. And that's because the kind of key thing with Kitspo is that they were founded something like 10 years ago. They started making most of their apparel overseas. And a couple of years ago, they made this really amazing initiative to bring all of their manufacturing back to the U.S., which they hadn't ever done before. It wasn't like they started making things in the U.S., moved overseas, and were going to revert. It was a brand new thing for them. And so along with that, they moved to Old Fort, North Carolina, and established a factory there. And David just spoke incredibly well about why they felt that it was the right thing to do from both the perspective of the company and their own growth, but also just as citizens of the world. And uh, he, one of the things that was really fascinating from that was that he talked about how 
such a huge percentage of the apparel that gets made in the world just never gets sold and goes straight to a landfill. The number he quoted was 30% of everything that gets made. And one of the things that moving their manufacturing to the US has let them do is that they don't make much ahead of time. Basically, they are doing everything to order and are able to just crank stuff out and turn it around in a couple of days. You go on their website, place an order for something, and depends a bit on the piece, but mm-hmm. most of it turns around pretty fast. And another thing that that lets them do is they can have a way wider range of color and size offerings because they don't have to forecast and guess at what's going to sell and what won't. They can just have fabric ready to go and make you a purple or a green or whatever it is that you want in whatever size. You need a triple extra large green shirt, you know, they maybe wouldn't have had the willingness to make a big range of stuff if they had to forecast orders and guess at everything. But this has let them change that. And so he basically was making the case that they can really serve as a blueprint for a lot of other companies to do the same and argued that it has not really required them to increase prices or Mm -hmm. cut into their margins or anything. And they have figured out how to do this in a way that is sustainable and is working for them as a company and is, he argues, pretty convincingly better for the world, better for their customers. And it was a super interesting conversation that I think just has applicability to a huge range of industries and things outside of the bike world too. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, everyone is talking about supply chain issues for just one element or one slice of this. And yeah, just thinking about, let alone then the environmental impacts and societal impacts, social impacts that we can have on communities. Like there are so many interesting reasons to be looking at more localized manufacturing, more real time making and producing when the orders are coming in. And, um, you know, I had a gear 30 conversation with Will from Spark R&D and he was talking about these exact same issues and Spark R&D is a splitboard binding manufacturer in Bozeman and they are building it all right there in Bozeman and it's really cool to like you know like for our audience I'm really proud of these conversations right so they can listen to a perspective from someone making it happen in Bozeman. And you've got this conversation on bikes and big ideas in another case. And I like, I mean, we actually know how many people in the industry are listening to these different podcasts we do. And for other companies to be able to listen to some of these and be thinking about maybe that's something that we could implement too. I'm actually really proud of that in terms of the conversations that we're having across our platforms and which makes me more happy that we are having this exact conversation to key people in because it is actually now really stupid. We've never done this, right? We've it's like, hey, here's an idea. Why don't we tell people on the Blister podcast about some of who the hosts are now on bikes and big ideas and off the couch and the conversations you guys are having. And I am now like, why didn't we do this a while ago? So I, I might not be the fastest person, the quickest learner, but I I tend to get there. Yeah. Better late than never, right? It's my motto. Better late than never. 
Well, I need to let you guys get going. We do actually have to record a Bikes and Big Ideas conversation, which you mentioned at the top. So I think we're going to wrap this up. But, you know, I guess I shouldn't really have to say it at this point. But if you have not been checking out our Off the Couch podcast with Matt Mitchell or Bikes and Big Ideas with David Golay, hopefully these two, hearing them talk, hearing about the kinds of conversations they're having um, hopefully that's some incentive uh, to do so. But we do really think a lot about the types of conversations we're having across these platforms. And sometimes it's, we know we want to talk to this person or this company. And we have the question about where would that sort of slot in best, whether that's Blister Podcast or Bikes and Big Ideas, et cetera. And often the answer is these these conversations could air on any one of our platforms. So um something to think about. And I'm really proud of you two, you know, the way you've kind of taken these platforms and kind of made them your own and keep coming up with good ideas. And you have different perspectives than me. And I think, I think our audience benefits um, from, from what you guys have been doing. So keep up the good work. And if you screw anything up, I'll definitely, you'll be hearing from me. Perfect. Well, thanks for having us on, Jonathan. This has been fun. Good yeah. chat as always. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks for, thanks for having us in uh, Crest of Butte, too. This, is, this has been quite the last few days. Awesome. All right, guys. Take care. Talk to you soon. Well, that's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. I want to say thanks to David and Matt for the conversation. Thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing this episode. And for those of you who are still here, sticking around till the very end... I'm going to throw out just a teaser here. Kara Williard, who you have heard on our Gear 30 podcast. Kara is a blister reviewer. She is our kind of in-house boot fitter. Well, Kara and I are cooking up some things on the podcast front that we hope to be announcing very soon. So we're really excited about those. And for those of you who have stuck it out this long, thanks and you are the folks who get that bit of info. So anyway, Tuesday, May 31st, we'll be dropping a new episode of Off the Couch. You can always catch Bikes and Big Ideas on Thursdays. And then we have one hell of an episode coming up on Gear 30 this Friday. It was so good. We're turning it into a two-parter. It is the first podcast conversation ever recorded with ATK bindings. It's extremely interesting and all you Gear 30 heads are going to love this one. So again, more teasers. You're welcome. Thanks for hanging in to the very end and we will talk to you real soon. <laughs>